Hey family, if you are an educator, a teacher, a principal, an education consultant, I have something so special that you cannot find anywhere else that is coming to your phone, your iPad, your desktop. I am bringing together my squad. I'm bringing together my team. I'm bringing together some folks who you can identify with because they were in the classroom in schools and education organizations just like you and now they are running six and seven figure education consulting businesses. I am Dr. Erica Jordan Thomas and welcome to the Seven Figure Educator Podcast. All right. First off. Hi, friend. Hey, friend. You look amazing. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you for having me. And thank you from coming behind the scenes to in front of the camera. Anytime. (laughs) Anything for you. (laughs) Um, And I'm super excited to have a conversation around podcasting. Absolutely. And uh, the reason why I felt like it was really important to have a conversation with my audience around podcasting is because I feel like, I don't know if it was like a pandemic thing or a post-pandemic thing, but I'm like, yo, folks is popping up podcasts left and right to where I feel like we need to have some conversation around strategy of how do we position it in your business. And I was like, yo, Jessica is the perfect person to talk to about podcasting. So first, before we kind of jump into the conversation, give us a few of your receipts. Like, give us some background of like, why would she ask Jessica? What Jessica, what has she done related to podcasting? Give them a few of your receipts. You brought me on this stage and told me to brag. Okay. Basically, (laughs) yep. Um, so we've had an opportunity to do some of the most, work with some of the most incredible creators. She's been featured in Forbes, Danielle Leslie. We did her podcast since 3000. I just came from New York, uh, executive producer of a show that's going to air next week for Morning Brew, which is one of the biggest multimedia news platforms, 4.5 million listeners each month. Dr. Erica Jordan Thomas, I don't know if you guys have heard of her. Uh, so many, so many incredible, there's been so many shows. I'm Sherelle Dorsey, Amber Cabral, she's an inclusion, award-winning inclusion strategist. What we get to focus on that I love, because you mentioned this earlier, about there's not one way to podcast. There's so many types of podcasts. And even for myself being in the industry for the last five years, I see the dynamic is vast. You can do comedy, there's politics, and then you there's frameworks, there's conversations where you're a fly on the wall, there's podcasts where you're talking to people. And who we get to work with, and you said it about me and I appreciate it, is thought leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, speakers who are already doing the damn thing in their space, but they need this podcast just to create that extra oomph in the world for people to see and hear them because a podcast is not an extension of your social media. It's more comparable to a book. And so this is an opportunity for people to really get to like, know, and trust you. And I'll just throw this stat out there and then I'll let you jump in, is the likelihood that people listening to your podcast are going to listen, like, know, and trust you is higher on a podcast platform than any other platform. So the average listener on YouTube, viewing you on social media, any other platform is usually on average about seven to eight minutes. So that's their ability to connect with you max. On a podcast, the average podcast listener listens anywhere from 20 to 28 minutes per episode. So your ability to just create that deep, authentic connection that will then turn into your buying power is top tier with, with a podcast platform. What would you define as the purpose of a podcast? Because I think then that'll help us put in context like when people would be best positioned to start a podcast. But what would you define as the purpose of a podcast? Absolutely. So we're gonna go two ways here. 
One of the first questions I always ask people when I meet them or they come to me is what is your objective and who are you talking to? Because everybody's like, my voice should be heard and it absolutely should, but you have to be very careful and conscious that this isn't just a hobby. You obviously want it to be successful, right? If you're gonna build another component to your business, because let me be clear, podcasting is like an extension of your business. It is a lot of work. There's, it's, not a, it's not a space where you get to like, I'm gonna just do this real quick and put it out to the world. It has to be strategic at some level. And so I think there is a space to do it, try it out, feel it out, because you can always evolve, right? We've had evolutions of our business where we start, we're like, that was cute, I gotta get better, right? Same thing with podcasting, there is a space for that, but I think if you're gonna spend the time and the money investing in doing it well, you need to be in a place in your business where, I always compare it to the equivalent of whether or not you should run ads. You should not be spending money in running ads because you want, <laughs> coming. People are like, well, nobody's buying my product, so I should just, I need more people to see it. I need to invest in ads. No, you don't. You invest in ads when you have, ex you have expanded, you've extended all of your audience to your product. You're like, I have sold my product to everyone that I can get visibility from at this point, and it's working. So now I need to double down on that working product or service and get more people to see it. That's when you invest and are more strategic about your podcast. It's like, I'm already playing on my organic field of my social media audience, my event audience, but I know I can serve at a higher level if I expand this to more people. That's when you invest in creating what is technically an additional marketing channel. Ooh, you just <laughs> said a term. You said marketing channel. Correct. Which means a podcast is a marketing tactic. Correct. Hey there, I'm just popping in real quick because I wanna make sure that you know about my free community that I have specifically for education consultants to be able to network, to be able to get access to resources. If you got a question about your business, even if your question is just like, where do I start? If your question is, yo, this client said this thing, how are other people handling it? I have a community for you and it's completely free. So if you go to the show notes and click on the link for my free Facebook group, Get Launch Consulting and request to join, then we're gonna be excited Excited to have you a part of our community. So head to those show notes, click that link and request to join our group. Let's talk about, cause you said a couple of things. And one of the things that I think it's interesting just to kind of like underline and underscore of making a, a podcast, equating that to paid advertisement and running ads. And one of the things that we've talked about here over the past two and a half days is that there's three ways to build traffic and you just identified a podcast and called it a marketing channel, meaning it's a way to build traffic for your business. And we've previously talked about how there's three ways in your business to build traffic. Organically, meaning just naturally showing up, posting on social media, reaching out to people. We previously talked about here one-to-one -one marketing strategies. One-to-one -one is organic. And then the second way is partnership. So partnering with another entity, organization, or person and borrowing their audience. So doing a social media takeover, a live, presenting at a conference is an example of borrowing an audience because you're borrowing the audience of that conference. Partnership traffic. And then the third is paid. Hmm. So paid advertisement, paid ads, running Facebook ads, Google ads. So what I just heard you say is that you need to saturate organic and partnership Correct. channels 
before you move into paid traffic. So if, when you saturate your organic and partnership, meaning I, have, I am maxing out all of the potential one-to-one -one strategies, all of the organic stuff, I have saturated partnerships, and now the, the biggest propel forward in my business to continuing to grow is now I need to start paying for leads. So I just wanted to give that language for folks because the most underrated traffic builder that most people aren't utilizing is partnership. They're doing a lot of organic and then they want to skip to pay. Let me tell you a little hack before you start a podcast. And I could, you know, these people can take your money all day to help you start a podcast. Do this first. If you're going to do anything, do this first. If you are thinking on the thought of starting a podcast because you're like, people keep telling me I've got this idea, I have this concept, I think it's time. Go to someone or take your executive, whomever, someone on your team, pitch yourself to be a guest on other podcasts and at least commit to being a guest on 10 podcasts and then garner that feedback. Like, okay, everyone loved it. They love the content and they want more. You can exhaust that option as well because at that point then you can say, okay, I can spend this type of time putting out additional content into the world. Like when people are like, I'm not really sure on my message. Great, go be on 10 podcasts. See how that comes out, how that feels for you how the guests receive that information. And then at that point, you can say, okay, this might be something I can put some time into. Mm. So, okay, so we mentioned, we've defined the purpose of a podcast or how to think about a podcast. We've touched on when is the best time to start thinking about a podcast after you have saturated your organic in partnership. So let's say now we're at the podcast phase. She's an incredible coach, isn't she? I'm like, man, educator that she's was, building my framework. I'm like, basically okay. Basically, I just narrated a conversation. <laughs> That's a facilitation tactic of narrating where we've been. So now where we're getting ready to, where I'm curious to go is because I've seen, I feel like five, 10 years ago, visual podcasts really weren't a thing. Oh, no. It was like, audio. I mean, if I was going to YouTube, it was like for a music video. Correct. Not really for a podcast. Correct. And so how should people be thinking about audio versus visual podcasts? Is there a pro to con to either one? Is it automatic you should do both? Like how should people be thinking about audio versus visual podcasts? So I am a proponent of visual. Here's why. In order for you to compete in the podcast market right now with over 4 million podcasts, now only half of them are active, and, and when you take a deep breath, I want to be clear about something. Four million podcasts, half being active, that's around the two million mark. That sounds like a lot to compete with in a very saturated market, but out of all the channels, it is the least saturated. There's over 50 to 100 million creators on YouTube. There's 19 to 50 million or billion on Instagram that they can count. So still your least saturated market is the podcast market. But if you are looking to compete in that market, to really be visible, to play that game, you have to look at a visual option. Now you can always get better. So we have a lot of people that come to us from a visual aspect and they start um, from home, virtual. Zoom, there's all type of uh, video players that you can use from home, where you can do those virtual interviews from home, and then they evolve to a higher quality product. But the feedback I get all the time about the higher quality product is far less about like, oh, I was able to get so many sponsorships off this, pro like this high quality product I'm putting into the world. It actually does two things. It makes you, to your audience, it makes it look like you take your brand and your positioning much more seriously. And two, it builds authority 
with other external markets. So a lot of the creators we work with will say like, oh, I sent this to work with Google. And they were like, wow, I'm thoroughly impressed. You put a lot of time and effort into your product and now they want to work with me. So a lot of them have said it's led to book deals. It's led to major partnerships. It is just you showing the external world and the audience that you serve that you take your brand very seriously. So how do you think about um, like the content designer as educators, we call it like the arc of learning mm. of a podcast. So I'm curious if you have an opinion, like should people have seasons? Should they just like record like all the episodes and it's not really organized in seasons? And if it is in seasons, like how should people be thinking about, should they be strategic of like what starts at the beginning, what starts at the middle, what starts at the end? So how would you think about how you structure the content of a podcast? All right, you guys ready? I'm just gonna walk through this the way I would if I was working with one of you one-on-one. -on -one. I would first and foremost think about your audience. And so this may vary for some of you, but if you are working in the education space, do you wanna listen to a podcast over the summer or are you like in full break mode? Full break mode? I would structure the podcast based on the same framework that you would the audience that you serve. So immediately in mind to me, that would be like, you know, all maybe two seasons in a summer. And so I'm big on seasons for the structuring purpose of, you need a break. You need a break. Don't commit to 52 episodes a year. That's a lot. At least take 10 weeks off, whether that's five weeks in between each seasons or that's 10 weeks during the summer. But here's the catch or the caveat. You do want to keep your podcast consistent because podcasting has an algorithm similar to Instagram. And so if you disappear for a while, there's a good chance that you'll lose your audience. And so if there was a strategy that I would suggest for a lot of you, it would probably be two seasons a year, maybe an episode or two that you plan or plot for over the summer. You take your break over the summer, Christmas break, going into the, the new year. And uh, you have two seasons, January to May and August to December. So you do two full length seasons with a summer break and maybe some content in the middle. So for example, we work with an education editorial magazine and they serve colleges and they work the complete editorial strategy around the magazine and the podcasts are the exact same. They only produce two episodes during the summer, one each month to kind of like one is letting them, they recap the year, the second month of the summer, they say what's coming into the next year. And then they go into the full season going into August as the school year begins. Actually September, because they give, they want people to have time to kind of like readapt and acclimate. Y'all hear some of the strategy? Okay, I want to make sure we're not missing this because I heard there's a strategy in terms of when we make things available. And one of the things that I heard you indirectly say you didn't use these words, but you said you shouldn't be dropping 52 podcasts in a year, which it sounds like your, your belief is the consistency is one episode a week. Correct, one episode a week, yep. And, and you need to plan for that. That's why I said go do 10 podcast episodes on other people's shows and make sure you feel comfortable with doing that. Do you know why only half of podcasts are active? Most people quit at the 21 episode mark. They do 21 episodes. They don't garner the audience they were looking for. They don't get the results they were looking for. And they're like, well, whatever my idea was sucked or podcasting wasn't made for me. I just want to be clear that I have 267 episodes on my show, like on my show. And then we work on 30 other shows. This is a marathon. If there was ever a product that you were going to put out into the world, it is this. This is a marathon. You can let people evolve with you. Like, 
And the scariest part of this, just like everything else is starting, you have to be okay with taking people on a journey with you wherever you are. I've changed the name of my own personal podcast twice. I've rebranded several podcasts. I have, people have literally seen me go, go from married, have a child, single, divorce, all the things. Like you can take people on a journey with you. You have to be willing to commit meet them where they are, and then, hey, I'm growing, so y'all growing too. If this isn't a fit for you anymore, carry on. If not, let's go. We're going on a journey. So how should people pitch being a guest on a podcast? Like, are there certain things they should say, certain things that they should um, send? I'm curious of, of, because since you manage a number of podcasts, that I'm sure that there are guests that you have seen a spectrum, a wide spectrum of guests. What makes someone attractive from the perspective of being a podcast guest? Absolutely. So did you guys see that coaching? Immediately I was like, that was a lead magnet. Why didn't I have that ready? Uh, <laughs> so this is an easy one pager. Go to anyone on your team, someone that does graphic design, create, get yourself a one pager made with the, the top paragraph starting with just like a validating paragraph of your experience, but make it short, sweet, and simple. Three to four sentences. And then in the middle, I want you to make the most visible part, four to five things that you are really good at talking about. Because not only for when I look at people, but we are always on the receiving end as a media company of people pitching themselves. And I'll get into three, which is the component of targeting the right people, but those four to five points need to be spot on. As a media company or a podcast host, I want to open that one pager and see that these four things that you are great talking about are things that I am exactly looking for. So for example, I met someone by the bathroom that said like his one lighter was like, it was him. His one lighter was fabulous. Yes. Like I was like, if Come I would have opened that and saw that in a pitch deck, I would have been like, great. You know, he's the former Maryland teacher of the year. Like for the state. Whoop, whoop. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like he said, oh, I, I help, and I apologize if I mess this up, but it was like I help assistant principal or teachers. I help teachers and kind of like come into tw multiple schools and help them keep, keep them stay up. And the, t the schools don't really have time for that. Mm -hmm. I butchered the hell out of that. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> but I was like, oh, that's so great. Like if you could drop four lines, four to five lines in there that are the main, that's really all the host wants to see. And it really needs to be aligned with their content. So not in the one pager. So I want to make sure this is clear. I'm telling you about an email and a one pager. And the one pager drop those four to five points that stay the same. But in your email, I need you to tie it back to the target's are the host's target audience. So for example, I hate when I get an email, my podcast is called, my personal podcast is called Rich in Real Life. And all I wanna talk to people is about their journey to building wealth and then what happens personally and professionally along the journey. When I get an email with someone that's like, oh my God, we love your podcast so much. So here's Steve, he runs an Amazon fulfillment company and he really wants to be on your show. I'm like, skirt, that doesn't, that doesn't even align. Hold on, you say what? <laughs> skirt <laughs> 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 that doesn't align I don't want to talk to you like I appreciate appreciate the success on logistics but it doesn't align with me I have a very soul-driven podcast so that doesn't align for me mm -hmm. so you want to make sure in that paragraph in that email intro that you are aligning your the host wants to know that you listen or you have some appreciation admiration for their show in some way I know that sounds like a lot of work but if you reached out to me and said like hey Jessica I listened to your episode with Dr. Erica Jordan Thomas and she is incredible I've watched her work for a while that led to you and I listened to your last episode about 
loving after forgiveness anyway, and I thought that I might be an incredible guest because what I love to talk about is X, Y, and Z. You literally paired it for me. You have now made yourself the perfect next guest. That's an easy yes. Mm. So here's the connection that I wanna make for people who are here in the room, in particular our clients, and for anybody who's listening is one of the things that we teach our clients is around building a framework for their business, which basically packages their methodology of how they believe, how they solve a pro the problem in their business. So from that framework, that framework, and we as educators, the language we have is curriculum standards. Your framework is your curriculum standards in your business. So to make the direct connection to what you're talking about, the topics that should be that on the, the bullet points on that one pager should be coming from your framework. And the bullet points that are on that one pager in order to create alignment in your business should also be the same topics that are your keynote topics. They should all be, also be your webinar topics, right? So you shouldn't have different topics that you talk about on a podcast, I, different topics that I talk about when I present at a conference, different topics if I decide to do a webinar. There should be a level of coherence across all of the content that you're using to build traffic, because everything that I just named is a way to build traffic. There should be a through line in all of those topics, and your framework is the place in which you go to be able to define that. I now want to ask the same question, but in the reverse. So let's say someone emails me about wanting me to be on their podcast. What should I be, what should be my criteria of whether or not I say yes? I just got asked this question by one of our creators, so this is actually very different. So if someone's reaching out to you because you have been spending your hard-earned time and money building your organic audience, building those relationships, building your content, you are now visible, and then you have people reaching out to you for you to be on a podcast, no offense, but there's a lot of podcasts out there that might not be worth your time. And so when we want to decide, like, is this worth my time? Two, I want to vet this person. So immediately I want to go look at what, what are their authority building platforms? What does their Instagram look like? Does it align with me? Do they have a book? Do they have a, like, what is their pod? Please go look and see what their podcast's about. I've had people that are like, oh, I didn't even look to see who she was. Well, don't go be on her show. Like, <laughs> so look to see what their podcast's about. What are the titles of their last three episodes? Do they align with you? And then there's two platforms you can check if you're really questionable about spending your time. I go straight to chartable.com and look, and it will literally tell you how their podcast is performing, if they're charting in any areas. Sometimes they may not because the charts change from week to week, but it will show you if they have ever charted. And so you can be like, mm -hmm. okay, this podcast has a significant audience. This might be worth my time. Go look at the number of reviews. Usually when someone has over 80 to 90 to 100 reviews, they're usually doing at least more than 3,000 downloads a month um, or have more than 3,000 subscribers. And then you can also check, this one's really easy, listennotes.com, and you just type in a podcast name and it will tell you the percentage at which they're performing at. So the majority of podcasts are under 50%. Um, but if you have someone reaching out to you that is any higher, the podcast is performing any higher than 30%, like that's a show worth your time. Most of the ones we work with are 10%, 5%, 2%, so. Yeah. So meaning the smaller the percentage, the better. The smaller, thank you. God, you're good at this. Uh, <laughs> the smaller the percentage, the better. Correct. So Is it's it like not, percentiles? Like meaning if it's the 10%, they're in the top 10% 
of listener or of, of downloads or listens? Yes. So they okay. basically say we rate this person on listen notes based off of these five factors. Oh. And so they're now in the 10th percentile of 4 million podcasts. And so the hot, the lower the percentage, the better, the more visibility the podcast has across all. We know about percentiles. Verticals. Because the um, end of state test assessments, this child was in the 60th percentile. <laughs> there you go. This that we know we that's a good correlation. <laughs> what are just resources that, because I imagine there's a spectrum of, of DIY to like Woo. hiring and, and outsourcing. How should someone decide DIY versus outsourcing? And then if you feel like DIY is a solid place, or if you would recommend that if someone just wants to get going, any tools or resources that you would recommend for them to check out? Absolutely. So. I would think if you're going to, I think if you have a product or service that you are selling and it is selling well, we are done with the DIY. And I'm not saying that for myself, but I think if, it, if, if you're looking to build a podcast platform just off the sole fact of like, I want to build my authority and use this platform to like pitch that I'm a great speaker because I have a lot of creators that they send their podcasts as part of their deck to pitch to be a speaker. And it works really well because it's just all this long form content that the, the deciding factor can listen to. So I think at maybe at that point, it might be okay to DIY, but I really think if you have a product or service that you are selling, you are building your authority, you want other people to see this, potential external partners, like your audience, the people that are buying from you. And if you are looking to, this is a great way to wrap this, all I've heard Erica say all day is about increasing your value, scared or not. If you are looking to increase your value, you are going to have to increase the money that you spend on the content that you put out into the world. And so I think it's time for done for you or ha investing in someone helping you with your podcast platform and the content you put out into the world if you are looking to increase your prices and attract a higher buyer and i'll add some data to this last part so they there was a study that came out at the top of 2023 that said that 50 it was somewhere around the 50 percent mark of households of podcast listeners had a combined household income of almost 300,000. so if you're looking to target the people that have the budget to spend on the products and services that you provide they are like your linkedin audience listening to podcasts meaning we don't want to hear your fire alarm battery <laughs> in the background <laughs> of your podcast Okay, <laughs> we don't want to hear your battery going off in the background. <laughs> like, change the battery before you start recording. Y'all, let's give Jessica a round of applause for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing all your nuggets and wisdom. We appreciate you.